Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi folks, just Alicia here. I just wanted to jump into the beginning and give you a little bit of a trigger warning. This story is pretty chill, but there is a bit of sacrificial murder. So just a bit of a warning for you. Other than that, enjoy the episode. Snow melts into the cobbles of the square. Cool air lifts an eddy of leaves, entwining it with fresh grass and damp soil. Rough shapes of sodden earth coalesce atop the stones, shapes that stumble and catch their feet. The people of grass and leaves take form. They glance around amazed, smiling sweetly at each other. The tallest of them, a woman with a crown of green saplings, takes up a hard staff leaning against one of the crumbling stone buildings. She raises it above her head, and a stone blade grows from its tip. Her comrades form a circle around the central stone and begin to chat while she works, forming tools from stone and wood. They talk of crops and seeds, of soft soil and warm nights, and of those who did not make it through the sleep. When each has a tool in their hand, the princess addresses them all. By the will of the gods we toil, and against the darkest sprites we hide. Let our merry work begin! Broad-armed farmers strike the frozen dirt. A dozen maidens gather browning cattails from the banks and weave sturdy baskets. The medicine woman fills her basket with fresh daisies and wilting clover while the kilners dig clay from the mouth of the river. Each day the west wind blows the cold from the earth, while the green crops stretch towards the sun. The princess strides between the fields, a long willow switch behind her back. The farmers nod as she passes, and she smiles in return. She spends her days counting the baskets of grain and jars of drink, she ensures the safety of their cellars from vermin and damp, clogging the holes with straw. As she finds the sun climbing higher in the sky, the princess sits with the medicine woman and begins her final work. They weave and knot the dried herbs into tiny charms, and fold them into clay shaped like wicked spirits. When the days are too hot to work, the princess gathers her comrades in the square again. They surround her with patient reverence, while she hands them each a clay figure. They take their turns whispering to the effigies, 
before placing them in the growing circles around the central stone. The hot wind rises. The princess bows her head and extends her hands, and all her citizens link arms around her. Together, they sing the first two lines of an old hymn before they crumble, whisked away by the breeze. A breeze that plucks green leaves from the trees, lifts the husks from seeding plants, and breaks the surface of the sun-baked soil into trailing dust. The wind whips the warm earth into jovial shapes that take form <laughs> laughing. The earthen princess rises, a noble circlet of leaves upon their head. They pull the nearest citizen to their feet and slap him on the back. The citizens gather, groggy from their slumber, around the rousing presence of their stalwart leader. When the last straggler enters the town square, the princess takes the first clay figure from the ground and speaks to their assembly. God is good this year, I see. Wealth and work to cleanse the soul before the soil takes you. The citizens clamber for the clay idols, as many as they can grab before the others push them down. While they squabble, the princess slips away, chuckling. <laughs> down behind the ancient houses, they find the cellar doors. Within they revel in the sweet smell of ambrosia in clay jars, baskets of ripe berries, and seed ready for planting. After they have drunk their fill, they bring the citizens down to drag the baskets of seed and bundles of tools up into the square. The sun is high in the sky by the time each person has a tool in their hand. The fields are still fresh and free of weeds. The sun-dried folk work until their limbs are sore, then gather in the square to crack a cask. Revelry echoes over the hills and bounces off the waters of the river. The elders laugh at the children playing their games, while the young ones dance till they can no longer. When each citizen has stumbled back into their humble house, the princess hops along the street, ensuring all is well before they too join with sleep. The cycle of the days repeats, with each day's toil in the harsh sun followed by merriment from the gifts of God. The days draw longer and the sun's wind harsher. When the heat reaches its peak, the princess takes up their stone-tipped staff and woven bag and visits each struggling citizen. They whirl their staff and grey clouds form over the fields, bathing crop and worker alike. Then they open their bag and watch as it fills with clay totems, or notes of thanks where the citizens have no more totems to give. As the heat is drawn from the earth, the folk from far afield return with stocks of food and drink. The final tool is set aside early on that coolest day, and each rough hand works instead on cakes and pies, on grinding spice and spicing meat, on working great ovens of clay, and carving long bowls of beech. By the time the sun has set, the earthen citizens have prepared a feast to honor God. Over the sound of laughter and drink, the princess sings their song. Wayward knights and pirate throngs, and farmers blessed by fay, gilded halls of far-off kings with riches gold and clay. The longer that their tale draws on, the softer do they speak. The laughter of their citizens dies down to a murmur, 
and as the first brown leaf sets sail, they crumble in wide-eyed silence. Silence. A silence that falls to crumbling twigs and brushing leaves, crawling from the dark. Dusty limbs stumble their way to the heaped scraps of feasting, the leaking cups of golden ale. These ravenous forms howl and snap as they scrounge. A lean peasant leaps from the shadows onto an eating figure, and the two scramble for a cold hunk of lamb, until a rumbling cry cuts through the fighting. Are our blows and laboured breaths for kin alone? Beyond the river lays our quarry, a feast for our starving god. The princess is a ragged beast of dry leaves, a helm of bark covering her face. She pulls a length of red root from the soil in the square and cracks it. The horde begins its march. A thin warrior slips down the muddy banks, drawn into the depths of the river. The mass stops only long enough to snatch the weapon floating atop the water. As the days claw the heat from the soil, the peasants warm their frames with the blazing of farms on the strange side of the river. The strangers who did not fight are caught, and the princess lashes them to the stone. On the coldest nights, the peasants gather. Swarms of her followers wait by the hatch to her cellar, none daring to ask her for what they all desire. At some length, she rises from the shadows. At a click of her fingers, the peasants pull a starving stranger down from the stone there at my feet? and drag them along behind their grim-faced leader. Out into the barren fields, blighted with ground belladonna. She stops. The stranger is dragged before her, too weak to cry. The princess stares long at their face, lined with broken dignity, then strikes. Their withered heart pulses limply in her hand. She raises it above her head, then thrusts it down. The soil roils with shifting roots, a dozen heads of every grain and fruit rearing from the undulating earth. In three beats of the heart, the field is bursting with plenty. The princess does not stay to watch the avid feasting, returning to the dark of her cellar. When the field is nothing but upturned soil, and the last of the river village is spent, the peasants do not wait outside the hatch. The princess wakes to dull thrumming, the tap of wood on stone. All her kin stand with tools in hand, adorned in mismatched armor. The valley strangers are prepared. Bring me that A dozen peasant hearts are wasted, dashed against their sturdy walls. Their princess rains down jets of flame, her screaming arms outstretched. Our princess does not let this lie. She finds a peasant fallen, a patient man she knows. His breaths come labored, and his eyes cannot seem to catch her still. 
Even in his fading moments, the princess knows his heart still beats enough. The village of the Valley Strangers makes a fine feast hall with servants, drink, and food. The peasants of the stone-marked town have reason to make merry in their final days of warmth. They dance and drum and eat their fill for as long as they are able. When the final warm day draws, the princess bids them home. Each knows to bring a sack of grain or fruit plucked from the walls. Those that cannot find their tithe bring valley strangers bound. There is no celebration in the dawning days of cold. Night and day they work, the fields filled and torn and filled again. When at last the cellars fill, the princess gives her sermon. She thanks the starving thanks god, the for god for strength, for the, the gift of saccharine bounty, and, and hopes their, their war-fought spoils are enough to sate his gut. As they bow their heads in prayer, a wind from south kicks up. A single flake of clearest ice descends, and they all return to dust. A single flake twirls and drifts, circling gently in the square. When it has made a single circuit, it stops, and slowly glides to the ground. Where it lands, there sprouts a hand, gleaming white and cold. It pulls a shoulder, a head, and a round chest busy giggling. <laughs> the princess leaps to her feet and shouts, not a noise of language, but of wild emotion. She falls back onto her laurels and sighs, her breathing interrupted by hiccups. When she has recovered, she jumps up again. She cups her hands around her mouth and yells, this time with intent. Oi, you lazy louts, get up! There's merry to be made! She giggles out a lengthy sigh and smiles, her head <laughs> tilted up at the rolling clouds. She knows the snow will come tonight, can see its shifting enigma as clear as her crowded thoughts. Down across the square, she spies the open cellar door. She tiptoes over the assembled army of clay and down the time-worn stairs. Many of the pots are cracked this year, the baskets in disrepair. Still they overflow with food, more she thinks this time. Grapes and rice, tomatoes and wheat, peaches and apples and pears. The pots still have a little wine, though some is vinegar now. The snow was a long time off, so she grabs a basket to pass the time. As is custom, she takes the first and climbs the central stone. From this height she sees the town, a few crumbling walls and half a roof. Beyond is the river, with fringes of frost beginning to form. She thinks she sees the other place, the one too far to reach, but can't be sure it's not a tricksy spirit leading her astray. She shakes her head back from her thoughts, poised atop the central stone. She hefts the basket above her head. 
It splats on the cobblestones, and she teeters backwards laughing, <laughs> catching herself at the last moment. Her hands and face are stained with mess when the next flake falls. She watches in awe as they tumble down, slowly coating the ground. Often they blow sideways in the wind, or back up to the cloud. She doesn't cry to see them go, she knows when they'll return. Deep into the night is when she begins her work, belly full and full of vim. First she gathers armfuls and builds the base, then begins the detailed work. She thinks about her height would do, though this one rounder around the base. The peach pits make ideal eyes, with the broken basket for a hat. She works until she yawns a single time, then pats her friend on the back and wishes him goodnight. He watches over her as she stretches out in the square, then curls up in a ball. Before long, she is snoring softly. Although the drink is gone, there is food to last her days. The princess eats until the snow, then builds another friend. The next is taller, the following shorter, the fourth a snowy beast. When she has made enough new friends, she yawns a single time and turns towards the buildings. She knows the Trixie spirits dwell here when she goes away, but she knows how to get them. The princess digs out little holes beneath the rotten boards, sets vines at ankle height, snaps a leg off half the chairs, and plugs the chimneys with snow. The days go on, and she swaps between her jobs, adding friends and fighting nature spirits. When she is bored of these, she pulls the stones off the stone-tipped sticks, or makes murals with her clay toys. The princess makes long tracks through the snow-covered fields, and slides down the hills on her back. <laughs> she watches passing deer silently, and tosses things at birds. While the river is still frozen, she quickly crosses it. She peers over the bank to see the far-off place, but a swift wind warns her back. If she goes so far away, who knows how she'll return? She is singing in the town square when she hears the first sad plop. She rushes over in panic to see the misshapen head of her monstrous friend fallen to the cobbles. The princess places it back on his shoulders, but knows how to read the signs. She spends the last days talking, making sure these friends know their value. She asks them questions and nods through the silence, answering their queries with drawn-out stories. She gives each friend a final goodbye as rays of sun touch the clearing fields. When the river starts to run again, she sits alone on the cobbles. Small basins run down her cheeks where she has wept. But when the sun rises, she knows what she must do. In the final light she rises, body shaking with silent sobs. She breathes out a long breath, 
then begins to dance. She sings where she can, an old song her mother would sing, and dances the way she remembers. When the steps are lost to her, she sings to bridge the gap. She is leaping when at last the sun sits above the horizon, singing as loud as her heart can handle. She is smiling as she goes. The snow melts into the cobbles of the square. We got, I'm sure if you've listened to the last episode, you know how excited we were about all of the ideas. All of the ideas. They were all perfect. Yeah. It was, it's, I think this is the first time we've combined a lot of ideas before. This is the first time we were like, wow, four bangers, huh? Four bangers? Damn. We were able to combine two. So we're doing, to spike everyone's memory, seasonal people. Just people who like only live in a certain season and Mm -hmm. then like disappear or hibernate or something like that. I think having four distinct people's one per season mm. is really interesting and very cool uh and then i wanted to do sophia the first sophia the first she-ra princess world mm-hmm. very nice. um which I, I i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing but um i love associating an rpg a tabletop rpg with a world you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. there is an rpg called glitter hearts which is that about, sounds amazing yeah it's about running a she-ra style everyone is princesses world you just reminded me, I forgot to mention, but I did get the My Little Pony role-playing game. Oh, cool. Um, the, the fifth edition D&D one? No. 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 no the the bespoke good. My Little Pony role-playing game. Oh, okay. Wow. So that's happening at some point. Yes. Because awesome. it was $5 at my job. Wow. That's so amazing. I got it for five bucks. Anyway, I'm, yes. my brain is... <laughs> We're all small, small birds that get distracted by things. Um, yes. I... This idea it reminds me of um, it reminds me of a thing in High Rollers, oh, which cool. is a D and D show that I like very much. I'm not up to date with it, but I like it very much anyway. <laughs> um, where there was a whole plot point about um, elven spires, Ooh. the the world had suffered a semi-like apocalypse, <laughs> and the elven spires had disappeared back into the Feywild. Right. They retreated, really noped out of the situation, mm-hmm. and slowly they were, coming, they were coming back. So there was, like, the uh, moon spire and the summer spire mm-hmm. and the autumn spire and the winter spire and stuff yeah. like that. And they were all ruled by royalty and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and that's kind of the vibe, yeah. bringing the princess stuff, kind of grounding it a bit more. Yeah, for sure. Because I love the idea of a pink, sparkly, glittery pr- no. princess yeah, world. That's, that's not what I was thinking either, but, but just with that <laughs> that palette. But of course, you know, having believability and stuff is one of our core tenets. Yeah. Having it be grounded and, like, rational. Yeah. In a way, not necessarily gritty, grim, dark. I, I think having a sense of reality to it helps it yeah. be immersive. Absolutely. Um, so, so there are these four cultures. Do, are we happy with four? We just want to do allegories for our seasons. We could do that. Yeah. 
We could use the Four Seasons from my D&D world if you wanted to do something spicy. We could, that's true. I think having... We already have enough spice. I mean, that's true. It mm. is so... It is almost too Your spicy Your seasons already. are very fun. They are very... Mm. I've written a song about them, in oh, fact. Oh, good. Which is... Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting very distracted this this so round. So there are four cultures. Mm. They only exist in their given period, in their mm-hmm. given season. Mm-hmm. So they are adapted to in the various like locations there's probably say there's like one continent yeah um where the, the focus of the story is maybe there are others it's not prescient mm-hmm. um one continent with like islands and everything and you know it's it's a full continent so the north and like the you know certain parts of it are colder um but then in winter it all gets pretty cold in summer it all gets pretty warm um and then throughout these people are all acclimatized to only certain climates yeah and the idea is they are only aware of the other cultures by what they leave behind. Yes, that's it. The structures that they live in, they, they probably even share any, like, stone buildings or something. Maybe, yeah. yeah. And they just don't know how the original ones got there. I like the idea of maybe even amplifying or twisting the seasons a bit more because I like the idea that they just kind of stop existing for yeah. a bit and then they come back. Because my idea, I mean, origi- my original thought for it was that the winter ones just kind of melt in any other seasons. So if we kind of amplified autumn to be more of like an earth-inspired one. Yeah. um, Well, what happens in autumn, all the leaves fall off, so these people, they turn to the trees. You know, mm. they become like these wilted. Yeah. Mm, Well, I guess that doesn't really work, because in autumn, they exist in autumn. Yeah. So that isn't... It's the opposite of that. They Mm. get the leaves and they become the trees, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Um... They become part of the trees. They, like, return to the trees. The summer ones um, stop being stone, maybe, and become liquid, in a way. Mm, Like molten. Yeah. Um, But maybe not literally. Although it could be literally, and that would be really cool. I like the idea that maybe the spring ones are just people made out of lots of petals, and eventually they fall apart, and they just kind of drift along the wind and become flowers and stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Um, mm. yeah. Okay, this is an endless cycle. So between the the years, say, mm. like the exact day, a year apart, mm. is it the same people? Like when they stop, do they then come back next year? Or is it a whole new set of people? I um, think a bit of a mix. Yeah, like I some people like the don't younger, survive yeah, the coming. The, the hibernation, quote unquote. Yeah, they don't survive the return. Yeah. Um, if they, yeah, if they're older, mm. um, if they're bodies are weaker or yeah, something. Yeah, I literally don't know if they'll last the winter. Yeah. Hmm. Or the summer. Or the or summer. The spring. Or the spring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Do we know anything? So, like, the winter people have to be used to um, colder environments. Mm. They have to be used to it being harder to scrounge. There are probably less of them mm. because they, you know, they need to, like, hunt and it's harder to hunt in the winter because, like, I think that there are still animals and everything that don't get affected by this? They're yeah, just I think normal? these are just the people. These um, are the, the uh, people who build houses and live in them mm. um, and who hunt and trade and whatnot. Yeah. There are lots of little tribes of each given, like, group mm. uh, of each season. We'll just call them seasons. Yeah. Of each season um, that are different. They're varied in culture and language mm. um, and they communicate with each other. They all have different ideas about what these, like, ruins that they, they believe them to be, but they're yeah. actually just the houses of the summer people. Yeah. Mm. Ah, that's so fascinating. That's fun. I like this idea of them 
some of each of them worshipping each other as gods. Yeah. Seeing the remnants they've left behind, like the gods have granted us houses and mm. stuff. Whereas last winter it was so difficult to survive, whereas now we've been blessed with these structures. I think what would be interesting, the I think the snow... Okay, here's some thoughts. Mm. The winter people might see them as gods mm. because they give them abundance. Yes. You know, they go, they hibernate and they come back and now there are buildings. Mm. The summer people see them as devils yes, because demons. they steal from them. Yes. They, they oh. hibernate and they wake up and their stuff is gone. And, and like... Because they have a lot, you know, the summer, well, probably the, I don't know which ones would have the most. Maybe the spring people have the most because spring is like the time. The when... abundance has been building up. Exactly. Um, um, one so, of them, yeah. like the, the spring scene is like, like mischievous fairies and yeah. stuff like that. Um, mm, yeah, the spring oh. consider all three of the other cultures, because they're all mixed together in their eyes. They just see them as one well, thing. The thing is, it'd be interesting, because the, the, from the autumn people's perspective, mm-hmm. they would wake up to find ruins yeah. of buildings and stuff that have fallen apart mm. through the wear of the use from the other ones. Yeah. The summer, people would wake up and and yeah, find the structures they built decimated. So they would consider these all creatures to be evil demons. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. spring people would wake up to find freshly built houses and stuff like yeah. that from the summer people, perhaps. Yeah. The winter people would wake up um, to... Uh, the leftovers of abundance. Um, yeah, so... Uh, like like leftover food stockpiled yeah. mm. and... Like the winter people would be like, oh, this is the only time we, we the way we can survive the winter is through the, the, the goodness of our gods. Yeah. And for, yeah, from the autumn people's perspective as well, um, the world is just a harsh, harsh, harsh place. No matter how much they work, yeah. When when they come back, they have to start all over again. Oh, that's fascinating. Oh, whereas the winter people always wake up and everything they've ever needed is right it's there right for them. It's <sighs> this is really interesting because the quote unquote evil ones, because winter is always seen as evil, mm. but probably the most joyful and happy ones. Yeah, because they are always provided for. They, they never they, have they to work, work too hard. They work hard when they want to. Mm. But they don't need to. Yeah. That's like the ideal life. Yeah. You can, they have the freedom to, if you want to go hunting, it's difficult and challenging. But if you fail, well, we have grain. This, this feels like a, which option would you choose? Would you, would you rather be, um, happy and always have what you need, but everyone hates you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. So then we get into the princess's idea. Each of these societies is ruled by a princess is sort of how it works, right? I'm sorry, I just had another idea. Please. There'd be all of this this scripture and these writings left over from the other ones talking about these demons that steal things from everyone, but they are the demons. They don't even know. They they, they fear these creatures that ta- that are coming to take everything from them, not yeah. knowing that they are those creatures are those that creatures. are taking. Oh, that's so cool. Oh. I think that there's an interesting idea that each culture's texts would be the sort of, in inverted commas, holy texts mm. of the other creatures. Because if we talk about, like, language, these cultures can never communicate. Um, so they have a concept of written language communication, but it has to be, like, heavily translated and understood. It's very difficult to, if they have no basis of communication, to mm. translate these things. There's no, like, interim culture that both people can talk to. There's no translation culture. So they would just see images of yeah, they- these demons that no one has a concept of like they haven't seen them Mm. because 
like say the the autumn people haven't seen the winter people mm. so the autumn people would have an image of the the Stinky fae, the creatures. Yeah. And the winter people would see them and go, oh, I'm they so- sound scary. I thought you said stinky fae. Well, basically. <laughs> basically. Um, the stinky fae, they would see the, the pictures of the stinky fae and then the winter people would go, oh no. Oh no. There are these terrible creatures out mm. there. Um, without having any of the context, the written context for them to go, oh, that's us. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Mm. And like they would write their own stories about them. Oh, this is awesome cyclic nature. Yeah, it's really cool. You were going to talk about princesses. So the princesses. Mm-hmm. The, if we go down to a cultural level, all four of these cultures. I don't know why. This is interesting. We could talk about the inception of this. This sort of mm-hmm. where these four cultures came into it, or whether that's not a question we want to answer. But they all have a similar structure in that they have. Uh, each of the like groups, each of the tribes, because I think this is very primitive-esque. Not primitive is the wrong word, but like mm-hmm. uh, uh, pre-iron, I guess, if we want to do technology yeah. um, sort of thing. Um, uh, culture, very like in touch with the land, just mm. through their sort of seasonal roots. Yeah. Um, and each of them has multiple princesses yeah. um, that lead these different groups. Mm. Um, and they have like, conflicts and alliances and stuff within their thing and then after how long is the season four months four months four, uh, three, months. three months three four yeah i know how numbers work mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. uh everything just crumbles and then uh yeah. three quarters of a year pass and they wake up again mm-hmm. and the whole conflict continues again that's cool um with the world slightly changed mm. fighting over resources and making alliances and deals and okay and these do we want to have princesses with powers that are seasonal? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. If so, they're princesses, of course they're going to be magical. Maybe each season has a set of four, three princesses mm-hmm. or something, any number. That mm. is, we subdivide the sort of associated qualities of each season. Mm. So spring, there is like animals mm. and uh, life and plants and i don't know fucking cool weather <laughs> whatever it is I thought you were, I just, cool skateboard i thought trips. you weren't gonna say cool weather and just leave it there fucking and fucking <laughs> i mean i'm well, right you're right though yeah uh i mean rabbits yeah that reminds me of uh, uh ever world building notes i'm talking about in one of her worlds that the royalty um has to bless people with the ability to, uh, not, I think it's either give birth or like clone mm. to like self like replicate. Yeah, that could be something that the, like this one of the princesses cool. can do is like grant people a child. Wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool. We can do a lot of things, and then like the summer ones have like fire magic. Mm. One of the princesses has fire magic. I think the princesses can grant the ability to someone if they like will it onto them, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. how they have a hierarchy. I feel like. Princess isn't like a bloodline thing. Princess is a democratically elected individual. They're just called princesses. Yeah, it's just the name and the aesthetic. They have a little crown, a little tiara. And they all wear beautiful dresses. It's just everyone decided they were the most powerful and also they have the magical ability. Mm. Regardless of gender, they all wear dresses and cute tiaras and they all look fantastic. Absolutely. They have magical powers. And they have magical powers and that's what makes them a princess. Mm -hmm. That's what a princess is. And they each have their very own special weapon or wand. Yeah. All like wands and quarter staffs, and then there's like one has a wand and one has a quarter staff, and, and one has a magical orb, and one of them has a mace. Yes, <laughs> yes. I I love the 
the winter people, I think, have uh, the least conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's very, like, free, and because of that, they're, like, not absurdly advanced. Mm. They just live in comfort. They don't have to strive for anything. Their abilities are probably not too, like, honed, Mm. because they don't need to be. They don't need to defend their lands or or create conflict between each other. So it's sort of just like, we have our princesses, but there is a democratic council who discusses everything. We don't have that many issues to solve. Mm. So the princess, even though they have this magical power, doesn't need to use it that much. Except to, like, they have... I guess, what are the aspects of winter that... Maybe it's like... The, like being homely, like hearth and home. Yeah, I was going to say, it's um, it's all to do with both the properties of the season and the antithesis of the season. Yeah. Because... Like Yule. Yes, kind exactly. Of you need vibe. to like... Yeah, like they have the ability to calm emotions. Mm. Um, yeah. And nice. uh, do things that the season needs to survive. And also other princesses have the powers provided by the season. Yeah. Um, I like yeah, I like this idea of the winter ones being mm. the warm and gentle ones, but then the summer ones are often harsh, harsh and bitter and, because yeah. all their hard work is so often destroyed. Absolutely. And I like the idea of maybe equating the spring people almost to like hobbits. Because I like yeah. this idea that they work very hard. They're yeah. all like farmers tilling these fields, um, producing a lot of food, but well, because the winter people are often, these monsters are yeah. often so far in the past they don't have to deal with them too often. Yeah. Like, they might put away stores of food and come back and it has been robbed, but this is the cycle of life. They're always having to make new food anyway. And even if, I think that the idea that the autumn people, even if they are, they they don't have a lot, mm-hmm. they know that they have to work hard to get there mm-hmm. and that their circumstances are the best. This is the best time to do it. Yeah. Um, so they're like, they're trying really hard. So they're not very warlike. It's like the summer and autumn people are quite mm. harsh and warlike. I think the autumn people especially would yeah. be, they have nothing and they, they need nothing. to scrounge for it. And I, I like the idea, maybe the spring people call the winter people like the rot. This mm. idea that they lock away their food and when they yeah. come back, it has all been just decimated. And, yeah. and I also like this idea that they're all farmers and stuff and they work really hard, but they party at night. It's, oh, absolutely. They're, they're hobbits. They party hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Hobbits, <laughs> um, I think is a really good approximation mm, for it yeah. um especially when you take into consideration that hobbits do work hard i think a lot really of people hard. think about hobbits and they're like oh lazy and it's no. like no it, yeah. like you see hobbit culture someone has to make those little stone walls they have to tend those farms. you think about how beautiful it is beauty absolutely. takes a lot of work yeah absolutely i want to talk about the autumn people though because yeah. they would be so bitter yeah and, mm, they would have um, a lot of difficulty mm. their princess's gifts would be to do with bestowing small amounts of life mm. and also robbing like life. kind of like a vampiric healing yeah yeah absolutely they yeah. they oh that's cool they're like the dark the autumn ones are like i can take your life to feed this crop field yeah so that we may eat yeah um this and they have to do that almost like a dark academia vibe mm, cool yeah okay i imagine like yeah lots of um they probably really value knowledge because mm-hmm. that's one of the few things they can, they hold, can hold on, on to. to. Yeah. You know, memories and Between generations and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They're like they all, like they desperately scroll down any information they can and bury mm. it in the hopes that these monsters won't, won't take destroy it. destroy it and um, turn it into clothing. They found like... Clo- sacred text. Sacred text turned into clothing lying on just like damp on the ground yeah um and they're like oh the oh, monsters you. they've leaned them, left them strewn about that's amazing i feel so sorry for these poor people yeah 
Oh, what a fascinating cycle. Mm. Or like what if there'd even be, oh, here's an idea. Mm. Eventually in the future they get to a point of such desperation where when it's coming to the end of their season, they destroy everything they've created in the hopes of it killing these creatures. Yeah. Trying to deprive them of oh, their wow. resources. Trying to deprive them of resources. It's like in a the war of attrition out. in a way mm. where you're like, how we are stronger. Mm. How much can we survive losing? It's like. In order to hurt the enemy. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, totally. Mm. Um, blowing up your base so the enemy poisoning doesn't get the, it. Poisoning the, the well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's, or just like, we have all this food, eat as much as possible. Yeah. Because so we are going to come back in We'll survive. Hopefully these it'll kill them off. We'll find out if these creatures are mortal. And I, oh, I'd love to see how the winter people handle that. Waking yeah, up and they, suddenly they have nothing they and they don't know how anything. to. Yeah. They've never had to work before. They're millennials. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because the previous generation has handed everything down yes. and not helped. Oh my god, I've accidentally, we've accidentally made... An allegory a, for a, generations. A, a, we've accidentally made a, a boomer metaphor for ourselves. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't like this idea anymore. No, it's cool. It's good, it's very good. Okay, is there anything else we want to talk about? Uh, we don't have, like, hard and fast definitions for what the abilities of the princesses are. I think yeah. that the way that it's passed down is it is democratically elected. Mm. They decide who the next person will be. And then the princesses, so they can grant temporarily, they can grant, uh, like, you know, one use of the ability mm. to people, you know, whoever they want. But then they can also take their ability and give it to someone on their deathbed. Yeah, I like that. And that's that. how the princesshood passes yeah. down. I, I like the idea, or well, there's this idea that nature provides what you need yeah. and stuff like that. So maybe um, a, a princess's powers slipped shift slightly with each yeah. generation yeah. to suit kind of more what they need in that yeah. time or how they have changed as a society just mm. slightly they're always kind of within the same ballpark it's but... and it's also to, i guess to do with the way that the society rationalizes it like mm. the belief in that thing so like if they look at ancient texts it says like you know in times of war this ability would grant you hellfire that you can yeah. bring down yeah. and now it is like i can bring warmth to your spirit yeah um mm. and make you happy yeah um which is what we need right now. Yes. Yeah, after all that warfare. Mm. That's really cool. It's, yeah. Awesome. Sculpted by belief. Okay. This is so cool. Yeah. Damn. We really banged out two awesome Yeah, right? We really did. Man. Okay. Hope we write some good stories for these. It'd be really funny if they were terrible. (laughs) Oh, that'd suck. Um, (sighs) So I think we've covered a lot of stuff in this one. I don't know if there's anything else. I I think we tend to... it tends to be that the shorter world buildings tend to Well, we've gotten to create, it earlier. Yeah. Is the thing. Yeah. I think. And, and I don't know, just sometimes uh, I think we're just so enthusiastic about idea and it just all makes it, it coalesces yeah. very nicely. Yeah. Same wavelengths. Yeah. Really understood it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Fantastic. Cool. See you in a bit. it's just me again Uh, i just wanted to jump in real quick and let you know in case you didn't hear from our previous episode we have been accepted into a podcasting network they're called that's not canon productions and they are really cool so before we jumped into Babel, i just wanted to share with you uh one of our cousin podcasts 
Gollum has an unhealthy obsession about some bit of jewelry. Doesn't even know this is what the precious is. Stupid therapist. Cookie Monster's a bit of a stress eater. Cookie, cookie, cookie! And homicidal robots really just want their best friend back. I know I did and said things that she regrets. But why is that my problem? But what all these monsters really need is therapy. The podcast Therapy for Monsters finally puts monsters in a therapy chair with a real therapist. Me, Tim, your friendly neighborhood therapist. If you'd like to learn a bit and laugh a bit, check out Therapy for Monsters on your favorite podcast app. Uh, that's not kind of productions podcast. Okay, so... Welcome in- to the Sky Machine. Oh, you're right. Okay. Welcome to the Sky Machine, a collaborative world building podcast. No! Damn it, I did it again. Again! I, I, what's the word? Collective. Collective. It's, it's a better cute. word. Like it's a, a ukulele word. collective. Is that a thing? Is that what yeah, people. Yeah, that's what they call groups of ukulele players. It's collective. Hello and welcome to the Sky Machine, a collaborative world building No, you did it again! Oh my god, this is gold! I was paying you can't so fake much this. attention. This is the best I moment. Was... Yes, and it's being recorded. Welcome to the Sky Machine, a collective world-building podcast about dynamic, fantastical, and concise storytelling. That was concise. Thank you. <laughs> this is the best. I'm going to edit all of it out. <laughs> oh no, I don't do the editing. Oh no, I have the power. This is part three. This is part three. This is all Babel. I'll edit this name. part. Hello and welcome to Babel for our episode Because on... we're raving here. Yeah. Um, we're all quite mad. We're we've, quite mad. We've just done two different Why recordings. Why is a raven like a writing desk? We've just done the story and then the next world building. Oh, we're doing like three recordings in we've one We've got week. another one after this. Just because we get so hyped, we're like just... We're we just want to keep done. doing all of it. Yeah. It's good. It's, <laughs> it's recording good. day. It's good. So this time in Babel, we wanted to, rather than just kind of idly chatting about advice... I want to talk about the story. Yeah. Because, of course, we recorded the world building first, which was sex- section two, but then we c- recorded the story yeah. afterwards. Um, something to note here is that when we were making the world building, we forgot what order the seasons go in. Yeah, absurdly <laughs> funny. At the time, I don't know what order. I do now. I think I, I think we were thinking well of now. like winter, autumn, yeah. summer, spring. Yeah, That's the like order that. we were thinking of. Yeah, so, I was just going off of whatever you were saying, and I was like, yeah, because you're smarter than me. You'll know. Oh, was, and then we oh, got to the end, and you went, I think I did the seasons wrong, and I went, oh no. Oh no. So from that's, what we said in the world building, it had to be different in the story. Yes. Yeah, so if it sounds a little bit different, yeah. go by the story yeah. because that's the latest thing we did. Which is always the case. Always I think. the case. We always often go the contradict thing. ourselves in the story yeah. uh, than we do in the. When you're making your FNAF timelines, make sure to consider the latest games rather than the earlier games because now Scott Cawthorn has thought of, I need to stop. That's true. It's true <sighs> of a lot of things. I really like SNAF. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> have you seen that one video of Jack Black dancing and he's like, five nights of brood. I have. That was great. So I good. love that man. He's so good. He's so good. Tenacious D is the best. So you had, uh, what do you want to talk about the story? Yes. Yes. I want to talk about the story because, um, mostly because um, I think we had a pretty, uh, like a very solid picture of the world. Yeah. Um, and I think even just the shifting of the the order of the seasons. Yeah. Um, I, I things just, around. Usually we don't reveal who wrote the story. Yeah. But because 
But we will. Twas I. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the wizard re- reveals himself from there. Yeah, that's that's um, Margulis, our wizard friend who uh, hangs out. What? Hello, I'm Margulis. Oh, Margulis, where did you a, come from? I'm doing a character. I'm sorry, I, I, we don't usually do bits like that. I wasn't expecting it. I'm allowed to do bits if I want yeah, to. Yeah, go. Okay, I didn't know bits You've... were on the table. <laughs> now the bits are on the table. Bits have always been on the Look table. Look at all these bits. We've... Where did they come from? The They're tables... all... Oh my God, we're I trying to record a podcast. God, get, the these, get these bits off of me. <laughs> Silence, moving on. I wrote this story. I had a lot of fun doing it. Took me a long time. It's very different to what I usually write. Um, I'm sorry, I started thinking of the Pope again, and that's not going to make any sense to anyone. Hey, hey, guys, keep your eyes out for next episode. Spoilers! Um, Spoilers coming. for the next episode. Pope. The, the Pope's. The there. Pope's going to be. The Pope there. joins us. <laughs> Look out for our next episode with our special guest, the, the Pope. Pope John something. Unjohn. At the moment, Unjohn. That's a. Oh my God. That's a something. That's a spoiler that's a for something that's never happened yet. Uh, for a conversation I'm we had in the lounge room. I'm sorry. I, I, the tea made me Do you need something like, to keep together? You yeah, had one sip of the tea. I had one sip of the tea. Let me grab it. It's cold, but it's something to hold on to. So it's, you go ahead. It's pre-iced Talk tea. us through your thoughts. Thank you. Uh, this is very different to how I normally write stories. Usually I focus on um, uh, telling as little as possible uh, and just conveying things. And also small concrete details, um, which I guess I still did both of those. I still tried to do both of those, but I was really doing like, I told four stories and I, I couldn't think of any other way to do it. I considered just having the winter story or just having the autumn story. I think those are the the two that tell the most about this, the world um, uh, from like the second step. Mm. Um, they're, they're ordered in a nice way because the first uh, spring is like, this is the world. This is how it works. People have to farm. They have to live. Yeah. And then we get one degree of separation, two degrees of separation, three degrees of separation. Oh, definitely. Now that you point that out, mm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's really, it's really, really nicely. I, I paced. tried to add a complexity and an issue in each section. One hundred percent. I can totally see that. Yeah. And um, I think we mentioned this in the world building of having the town as the fifth character. Yeah. But yeah, the inspiration for this story, I think, is that it is from the perspective of the town almost yeah. observing yeah. these princesses yeah these things are going on around them mm-hmm. um uh yeah it, it was um i think it turned out pretty good yeah. for something that i'm not used to at all no um, i loved in, it in a style i'm glad mm. um but yeah, yeah and it was whilst focusing on like the the town's perspective mm. uh it was also focusing on um each of the four princesses and how like leadership changes in these different circumstances and what they are forced to do definitely trying to make them complex characters without like leading too much yeah like uh like they're each at the base very similar societies because they are in the same environment and everything like that but they are influenced by these other seasons these other societies around them they're uh how they've interacted with the world and therefore interacted with the other people in that world yeah um, I'm really interested to hear just maybe going through each of the seasons and um, talking about um, the like intent or the influence of each of the yeah. societies um, because like in our original one it was um, the spring people that were very hardened and kind of angry I think I could be wrong with that I, I, but, we, we did say that it was it was autumn but autumn was at the start yeah yeah um, that was because true. we we swapped autumn and mm. 
and spring yeah. was, was, was what we did. So I kept autumn as the harsh people and spring as the, as the mm. soft people. Because autumn, uh, well, spring is where things spring. They, they come yeah. to life. That's where, like, you start to plant crops. Mm. And uh, the, the soil has uh, softened up and has, like, nutrition in it. Mm. Um, as far as I'm aware, you yeah. know. I, I did a little bit of research into, like... The main thing I spent a lot of time on, I was, I was like, what's the specific alcohol that you make in spring? And it was just like people being like, here's a mixer. Yeah, yeah. Here's a, here's a mix you can it's make. It's like, great. I Thanks, didn't want but... that. I wanted to know about cool spring wine mm-hmm. that I could yep. put in to seem fancier. Yeah. Uh, yes, the spring was like that. And then as it gets hotter, um, plants grow less, but yeah. they're still around. Mm. Autumn is where everything is dead. Yeah. Usually autumn you're harvesting your crops mm. the problem was the the culture before them lived in merriment because of the heat a lot of the time when it gets really hot yeah after it gets cold you want to you know have a drink and have an eat yeah um so they were not uh preserving their food for the next season so the uh the autumn people had to struggle because there weren't any crops for them to harvest yeah they had to uh, engage in warfare. Thankfully, their princess had the magical gift of creating mm. uh, food from death. And although that was only their princess, I also tried to contrast them with the other princess who shoots flames out. Yeah. Um, which is a very, like, very summary ability. Yeah, I, um, yeah, this, this, I only picked that up on my second reading of it, that mm. there are other princess societies outside of this one. This is a single town. Yeah, one town in this world. There, so there is are more out there. That we could tell. Um, and then the final one, when we talked about it in the world building, we said that there were many uh, winter people. But when I got to the end of autumn, I realized I was like, there's not enough food to go around. There's, yeah. there's not enough food for um, a society to live off of. Yeah, it's almost she can survive on what she can make herself just about. Yeah, pretty much. Um, because, I mean, the order people were barely getting by themselves. Yeah. And they. I think a lot of these societies, uh, because they've been around for so so long, know that there's not too much of a point of storing food too much anymore. Yeah, they they only store food as as gifts to their deities. And for those societies that that uh, uh, feel forsaken by the gods, yeah. why would you? Why would you? Yeah. Um, the yeah the the autumn people have the starving god. Yeah. They know that they have to feed their god or they will die. Yeah. And it's the idea that these each of these societies whilst it's very apparent in the story they are hurting each other Mm. by taking from each other Mm. and not leaving enough for each other they also are aware that they are helping each other and so they they know that you know we tried to portray that each of them had a different belief system that was based around the actions of the previous one um so in the spring they talk about kind gods and tricksy gods um because it's one young princess yeah. who is leaving gifts and trinkets and things around but also traps but that also, aren't yeah. dangerous they're fun yeah yeah um, like like uh, yeah holes under the floorboards to track the to trap these sprites yeah but they're um, people they're full-size people yeah. so it behaves differently yeah um so they know when they're leaving these offerings they are leaving them for something that will like it will tangibly yeah um they think it is a deity or a spirit or something but Mm -hmm. it is just the next generation and they know that if they help you know if spring helps summer summer can help autumn and and autumn can help winter who can help spring yeah um but there's like a loss over time uh 
it's 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 an interesting it was a really fun story to yeah consider. it's a beautiful kind of communication without any interaction yeah trying to find a way to speak to people that you've never seen and don't really know if they're there or not and it is like how we live a lot of our lives yeah in, in like an interpersonal yeah, totally. sort of society you know not littering it's like the the, the trolley the, the the modern trolley problem mm, yeah not, not the way do you take the trolley yeah. back you don't have to but you do it so that the fictional concept of the other person yeah. who is like a, a modern deity that you're leaving an offering for yeah. has a trolley to use so that they might leave a trolley for you yeah absolutely mm. or like um when people like leave their tokens in their trolleys for yep. the next person because you or there's a whole thing of at our uni uh you might know about it too much because neither tickets, of us drive yeah so what people do at our uni because uh, you need to pay for a ticket for your car space is that if they don't use all their time they'll go and put it yep. back in the ticket booth so someone who can who just happens to come uh, come along who, who come along who yeah. needs it can can use it i've i've uh i went in with my housemate once and she said oh just go and um set up the thing and i went there and someone pulled past and went oh, i only use 10 minutes here you go and just handed me their ticket and i was like oh thanks yeah um and went put it back in the car yeah it's it's like this this it's the same idea this idea that you could put it in the ticket booth and no one will come and get it perhaps you it's, don't you'll never meet that Schrodinger's person gift. it's Schrodinger's gift you don't know if it's doing good but it's it's a net positive for the universe a net Hell win yeah go and go and hand someone a Schrodinger's gift today but from a distance from a distance socially distance so, socially distance <laughs> um is there anything else you wanted to know about the creation of the story oh let me think um I, I want to hear about your thoughts behind some of the like colloquial language that oh, yeah. you used because it was beautiful. Thank you. I ended up, I should have gone back and rewritten the start because about halfway through I realized I was writing an iambic pentameter some of the time. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. You know, it just happens. Yeah, I noticed some bits of it were quite poetic. Yeah, and I started doing like little rhyming um, mm. uh, moments. Mm. Uh, so... The, a lot of the words I f just felt like I had to use very like prosaic language a lot of the time which is again not what I write it was too floral mm. um, and uh, usually an audience will bounce off of that and so I try to shy, shy away from it um, but I did want I, ch I chose very specific words to match the tone yeah. so each of the people in each season are referred to differently uh, their comrades in the first one because they were very communal society yep. and then they're civilians i yes, think because yes. they're like more of like a city mm -hmm. um functioning they have an economy um yep. and then they're peasants um because in the autumn one in the autumn one because it's an army it's all about uh, servitude and... exactly mm -hmm. um and they're all like quite faceless yeah. there's only one character who gets like a description yeah um and then in the last one they're friends yeah uh and there aren't any <laughs> um which yeah. was fun uh doing the reading I think I, I really picked up on how I had used a lot of yeah like the, the language uh, matched the the tone or I tried to mm. uh, so that there was a lot of like I think it was the start of the um, either autumn or summer there's just a lot of like ripping and tearing yeah. language that really uh, while I was reading it I couldn't help but get into the voice of like this like yeah. violence and anger um, but then when I moved into uh, uh, winter, mm. it's all soft yeah, and like snow. Yeah, totally. I've, I've really noticed, it's been very interesting making this, this podcast because I've started to pick up on like some of your strengths in writing and I'm noticing mine a bit oh, more. Like, like you're very, very good at 
colloquial language and stuff like that and through speech immersing someone in the environment oh, cool. and i think it's a it's a tough thing to do because uh, sure. it's a fine line to walk between confusing people yeah. and making people feel like they're a part of that world yeah yeah um, it was something that was discussed in my um uh my creative nonfiction class recently i my favorite thing to do while writing is to uh have people reach their own conclusions mm. uh to sort of take a few steps back and lay out the pieces and have them put them together and never like tell someone what a character is thinking yeah have them assume it yes um and if you do Beautiful. that right it's it's really immersive mm. and uh, immersive what am i a skyrim model it's it's really <laughs> like uh you know it draws you in yeah um and immerses you but my tutor pointed out she said isn't the value of reading getting a glimpse into someone else's perspective a perspective that you can never have yeah. and i was like yeah i guess so so like there is a value in doing the opposite of what i do and just like expressly telling you hey this is why i did this thing and yeah. i'm thinking it um because even in expressly telling someone something mm. our our words and our thoughts are completely different totally, things so yeah. there's even in saying it there's something lost yeah uh so it's really interesting to see like my whole method uh, my, my tutor was like what if no and I was like huh, I hadn't even thought about what wow. if no <laughs> mm, now, that you, now that you say that yeah. uh, no I, I've really this has been a really interesting story for me because I think this is the kind of style of story I think I would usually write oh yeah yeah um, for sure uh, I usually love to get into the in descriptions of the environment yeah I, I usually picture worlds very very vividly and like to tell the story through what you can see yeah um, and it's really really interesting seeing how you would tackle this story yeah because um, usually i like to tell what you could see through the story mm. it's like the, the opposite way i'm like these are um uh signifiers i'm yeah. trying to, to use like uh, symbols that mm -hmm. i'm trying to say like it's a tree i don't need to describe the tree you know what a tree is especially yeah. because of the context of the story mm. it's like oh it's obviously a pine tree yeah like uh, yeah that's that's what i'm trying to do whereas uh, what you usually do is from the other perspective and so yeah I was definitely trying to write from that yeah. sort of perspective it was very fun and interesting yeah it's it's fun trying out new styles yeah I think difficult yeah more difficult than you'd expect I, I but... definitely learned a lot from this yeah absolutely mm. awesome I think um, that I think covered everything absolutely um, uh uh, just a quick if you missed it on the last episode we are uh, and it would be mentioned earlier in the podcast but we're now a proud member of the that's not canon podcast network mm -hmm. and just feel like we should shout that out super oh, exciting so cool. yeah it's it's so cool there are so many wonderful podcasts mm -hmm. on there and uh yeah we organized like a, a crossover shout out um so heck yeah there's uh, just so many cool looking shows on there yeah if you're looking for something yeah. new to check out that's There's not canon just a, productions, a, a long list of really awesome yeah. awesome podcasts really wonderful things um yeah just wanted to, to mention that Is there anything else awesome. you wanted to cover do we have any uh writing challenges for this week mm. writing challenge i'll try and write from another perspective like oh like Hell like yeah. in another method Mm -hmm. um maybe consider the dichotomy we just talked about mm -hmm. uh story first or world first mm -hmm. yeah like or story trying to portray world or world trying to portray story absolutely mm -hmm. uh, and if you wanted to break it down even more simple than that mm -hmm. um figure out what kind of perspective of like first or third that you usually write in and, and you're it. gonna write the second one yeah I, why don't we give you two words if you want something if it's a bit of inspiration mm -hmm. we'll go clock and plant there you Literally go. Literally things that we're looking at. Yeah, I literally sort of clock behind you and <laughs> you can see plants behind me. 
Yeah. So it's fun because we're recording in my room now. So it's, it's, so I've it's, been in here like three times. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. I, um, it's interesting because it's either going to give us a heap of distractions yeah. or really immerse us in it, the nerd environment. It was really hard for me to talk while I was uh, saying something earlier because I was just reading things in your room. And I was yeah. Like, oh, oh, hey, there's some pizza over there and Litton and like there's too much. Pizza? Oh, and my, my, my little plushy pizza. Yeah. All right, I think we've we've covered. Okay, we need to stop we need talking. To. I've, I've just been rambling. It's been a real ramble day. Oh. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. That was the sky machine flying away. Yes, that was it. <laughs> what a sound effect. <laughs> that was a big explosion as we blast off into the sky. Is that how it works? Are we in the sky machine? You'll never know. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.